0: You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. We're going to talk all things SEC basketball with Blake Lovell of Southeastern14.com. We'll get his thoughts on how many SEC teams he expects to get into the NCAA tournament and much more. Also, a full SEC football stadium in the fall. We'll tell you one high-ranking official who thinks it could be possible, and another four-star Alabama player is on the way out, transferring to another school. We'll tell you who that is. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out, each and every day. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the conference.
0: Boots out to the right.
1: Makes the handle around the conference. Texas A&M is pushing forward with the idea of playing before more than 100,000 fans at Kyle Field Stadium in September. But how realistic is that possibility? A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork this week referenced a preliminary report from the website Med Archive examining counties across the country that hosted either limited capacity NFL or college football games in the fall and winter, I should say counties. Uh, He said, or the study says, they did not find an increase in county level level COVID-19 cases per 100,000 residents due to the NFL and NCAA football games held with limited in-person attendance. York went on to uh, say, there may be protocols. We may be wearing face coverings. We don't know all those answers yet. But that's the plan as we sit here today a full stadium full season ticket allotment and a full student section So people by then are going to be vaccinated at a really really high level bjork was talking to an aggie town hall via a m athletics so obviously tailored to his fan base they want those folks to renew their season tickets and their tradition funds and all that kind of stuff but Pretty high-ranking official in the SEC to say that uh, they are moving forward as if we're going to have full stadiums by then. Look, the vaccine distribution needs to ramp up here as we're almost into March if we're to expect uh, full SEC stadiums in September. As he said, probably still wearing face coverings. Can you imagine 100,000 people in a football stadium, everybody wearing masks? How are you going to have enough ushers policing that to say, hey, you put your mask back on? It uh, gives us a little bit of hope, though, that uh, could be back to some bit of normalcy for college football in the fall. Over to Alabama, their linebacker, Ali Cahoe, who played in 40 games for Alabama the past three seasons as a main special teams player. He has picked his transfer destination, and he is heading to Utah. He's a Reno native, Reno, Nevada native, who is a former four-star linebacker who began his college career in the Pac-12 as a signee with Washington's 2018 recruiting class. However, he asked for his release and enrolled instead of Alabama before his freshman year. He recorded three blocked punts for the Tide during the 2019 season, including one he returned for a touchdown. He played occasionally on defense at inside linebacker and also saw time at goal line situations at fullback. He likely would have faced an uphill battle for playing time at inside linebacker this year, though, with Dylan Moses and Joshua McMillan Entering the NFL Draft, we know Henry Toa Toa from Alabama maybe transfer transferring, or from Tennessee maybe transferring to Alabama. And then you got the incumbent starter, Christian Harris, and a deep group of inside linebackers that include Jalen Moody, Shane Lee, uh, Des Moines Kennedy, Jackson Bratton, so a lot of names there, and Ali Kehoe maybe saw the writing on the wall, so he is transferring to Utah Two of the premier defenders in SEC men's basketball received some national attention yesterday when they were named among 10 semifinalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. Alabama's Herbert Jones and Tennessee's Eve Pons were among the group of semifinalists announced. They were chosen by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club's Board of Selectors. Pons, if you recall, is the reigning SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He's blocked 34 shots this season, ranked seventh in the conference. Meanwhile, uh, Jones leads the team, uh, Alabama team in rebounding, steals, charges taken, deflections, floor dives, and blocked shots. So he has certainly played his part as well defensively. Back on to football, Auburn, they landed their third commitment for the class of 2022 when Powell Gordon, a linebacker out of Auburn High School, uh, he pledged to play for the hometown Tigers. He recently received a three-star recruiting ranking from 27th. 24-7 sports. He's ranked the number 18 player in the state and the number 37 outside linebacker in the country. He's the uh, Auburn Tigers' latest commit for the 2022 class alongside Opelika cornerback Gerald Stinson as well as quarterback Holden Geariner. So Auburn and uh, Brian Harson trying to build up something for the future. Their current recruiting class did lose a commit as a uh, Florida native Brian Dilworth announced his decision to decommit from Auburn yesterday. He's a Florida native, committed to Auburn during the spring of 2020, when, of course, the head coach was Gus Malzahn. Dilworth's recruiter was Wesley McGriff, who left Auburn this offseason and joined Dan Mullen's staff over at Florida. Dilworth is rated as a three-star prospect, the number 45 cornerback recruit in the nation for 2022. He still has offers from several other SEC schools, including Arkansas and Kentucky, among others. Uh, Former Auburn running back Mark Anthony Richards, he announced on Twitter that he was following his old coach, Gus Malzahn, to UCF in 2020. Richards played in four games with the Tigers, carried the ball 20 times for 76 yards. He was a member of the 2019 recruiting class. was a four-star prospect. He was the number four athlete in the class of 2019 and the number 12 overall recruit from the state of Florida. going back to the state of Florida and following Gus Malzahn there. Mark Anthony Richards. Running back now for UCF. Over at Florida, tight end Kyle Pitts is gaining a lot of attention heading into this year's NFL draft after having one of the most prolific seasons for a tight end in college football. He is considered the best at the position in this draft class, and some people may be comparing him to Travis Kelsey, among others. You don't normally see tight ends go this high, but ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuiper has got Kyle Pitts going fourth overall in his latest mock draft to the New York Jets. We expect them to trade down uh, from the number two spot. But Kyle Pitts going top four in the draft. For your reference, no tight end has ever gone that high in the NFL draft. It would be um, interesting to say the least if Kyle Pitts went that high. One other note on Florida, it is, look, no secret that Todd Grantham is kind of the enemy of the state right now for Florida fans. They're not happy with how bad the defense was last year. And now with spring camp already underway in Gainesville, Grantham had his first opportunity to meet with the media since the conclusion of last season. Of course, the failures of last season's defense were something I was asked about. But the Florida D.C. had no interest discussing it. He said, quote, You know what? I want to talk about this year and moving forward. We have spring practice now. The issues and reasons before are really irrelevant now in the sense that it is what it is we're going to play good this year and with the young players we have we're going to continue to develop and grow so Todd Grantham doesn't want to talk about last year at all turn the page and lastly over at Arkansas defensive coordinator Barry Odom he was a hot commodity this offseason staying at Arkansas while the defensive coach may have had the opportunity to leave Sam Pittman and the Arkansas administration stepped up to keep him happy Odom is now under contract through the 2023 season, set to make $1.75 million per season to coach that Arkansas defense. Coach Sam Pittman this week was on the Saturday Down South podcast, and he said, quote, It took 15 minutes with our administration to get his contract, what Barry was comfortable with this past time. The time before, it was a walk in the indoor facility with myself and A.D. Hunter Juracek and Barry have to give the university credit because they're going, hey, we know his value to us, and let's get it done. No situations, you don't have time. You can't say, well, let's get it done in two or three days. This guy might be gone by then. So shout out to the Arkansas administration for stepping up to the plate and taking care of Barry Odom to keep him happy. And that is Around the Conference. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things SEC basketball with Blake Lovell of Southeastern14.com. Bet online the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Look, we know football is over. College basketball is winding down. We are a little over a week away from the SEC tournament getting started. We already know Alabama is the odds-on favorite. I'm looking at the odds right now at BetOnline.ag. Alabama five to two odds to win the SEC tournament. Tennessee right behind them at fifteen to four. Missouri nine to two. Arkansas twenty-one to four. LSU eleven to two, and they can get some real good long odds with Florida Kentucky at 7 to 1. Go check them out right now, betonline.ag. They've even got you covered for award shows, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website right now. You can do so on your mobile device, your laptop, your tablet, whatever – And you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up today with the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, we're covering everything you need to know about the SEC, but what about the rest of sports? Check out Locked On Podcast Network's Locked On Today, hosted by Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today, wherever you get your podcasts. Real excited to get this guy on. Uh, former host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Been covering the SEC for a while, and uh, this guy's my go-to. Whenever uh, I'm looking for something on SEC basketball, this guy's got it covered. And, man, we're in the thick of it right now with the SEC basketball schedule winding down and a couple of games left to go for the, that were regularly scheduled now we got some makeup games uh, to be made up during the week ahead of the SEC tournament so let's jump into it let's talk with Blake Lovell who has a new website out it is uh, southeastern14.com he's got podcasts he's got articles all kinds of stuff talking all things SEC and he joins us now Blake what's going on man
0: yeah, good to talk to you, Chris. I uh, wanted to say before we get started, listen, man, you're you're doing a much better job than I could have done on the uh, the Locked On SEC podcast. So uh, keep <laughs> up the great work because I, I enjoy the show.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it. It's great to get you on, and man, this is. Uh this is the thick of it right now with the, the SEC season. I mean, it's like you know Alabama, we think, is the cream of the crop, and they have been for most of the year, but they slip up the other night against Arkansas. LSU seemed like they were getting hot one three in a row, and then they slip up against Georgia. It just feels like the SEC always does this, man. We're, we're cannibals. We eat our own. Every time somebody's getting hot, somebody's going to uh, upset another team. But what do you make of where we are right now in the SEC basketball season?
0: Yeah, it's, it's wild. I think we were – we were debating earlier, we're like, which team perfectly represents the SEC? I think Mississippi State's what we decided on because they're one (laughs) of those teams that it seems like any given night, you know, they can go out and lose by 21 to Vanderbilt, or they can go win at Ole Miss, and um, it's just kind of, it's been that kind of season. Like, everyone is that way except for I think the top two teams. I think Alabama and Arkansas are a little bit above everyone else at this point, Uh, but like you said, I mean, Alabama loses that game in Arkansas uh, on uh, Wednesday night there, and it's just one of those deals where I think two or three years ago when the league was you know pretty strong, you had those top five seeds, um, you felt good about those teams in particular having a chance to make it to the second weekend. That was almost the, the expectation, I think, is that those teams would make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. This season, I think outside of Alabama and Arkansas, you can just really pick apart a lot of these teams that are are going to be in, like LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri. I think you can pick apart some of the things that they're really struggling with. But, you know, you could probably do the same too for Alabama and Arkansas. So it's a strange season. I don't think that we really, you know, should have not expected that because of just the circumstances and everything. But uh, it certainly has been a different year for the SEC. So
1: the update is what we just found out uh, the last day or so, that the SEC is going to add a couple of uh, uh, official games for the makeup schedule. uh, And and that's going to happen, what, next weekend?
0: Yeah, so they're going to do it on, you know, they had, the whole thing was when they put the schedule out, not unlike other conferences around the country, they built in that final week before the tournament starts, before the conference tournament starts, to be able to add an extra game or two if they needed to. Um, so they went ahead and said, hey, we're just going to plug this in for March 6th and March 7th, which will be next Saturday and Sunday, um, and play these games. So each team's only going to play one game each. I think a lot of people are wondering, okay, are they going to try to cram in two or three games that was never going to be reasonable just because, you know, who wants to play three games before you have to go play an SEC tournament and potentially play four games then? Um, I don't think coaches were lining up to, to want that scenario. So how they did it, um, you know, Texas A&M really threw, the, they really threw a wrench at all of this because it would have made the SEC's scheduling a lot easier if Texas A&M wasn't sitting here with only eight games played. Uh, so they basically had no choice other than just to figure out the best scenarios they could uh, to make it work and I think they did that for the most part. Uh, I thought prioritizing, putting tournament teams against tournament teams needed to be a factor, and they did that by putting LSU at Missouri, Florida, Tennessee. Um, that way, wins help those teams, losses don't hurt, hurt the other teams um, because you know those four are probably get in the tournament. So I think that's a good thing. Um, but I think probably if you're talking about which team maybe doesn't gain the most from this makeup game, it's Arkansas because if they do actually play this game against Texas A&M, a win does nothing for you. A loss is your worst loss of the season. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I can't feel like they're probably not too confident with the protocols and everything because a and hasn't played in a month. Um, so I think if you're Arkansas, you're probably at this point, I don't think you'd be against that game getting canceled eventually because um, that that's a scenario that I just don't think that, that the Razorbacks wouldn't be able to win anything against, to be honest with you.
1: In your opinion right now, Blake, how many teams, right this minute, and a lot can change with this last handful of games and, of course, the SEC tournament, but right right this minute, who do you think is definitely into the NCAA tournament right now?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, for sure, Tennessee, for sure, Missouri, for sure. Um, you know, maybe things get a little iffy at Florida or LSU. Were to have gone on a losing streak here down the stretch, maybe they find themselves closer to that ten or eleven line. With you know, maybe looking at uh, potential teams stealing bids and all that. But right now, I think those six have to feel pretty good about where they're at, um, barring you know a collapse by the, those latter teams that we talked about. Uh, and really, the only other one I think is even in contention would be Ole Miss. And and really, for Ole Miss, I think they just You know, they don't need to be looking at anyone else. Like, they just have to win games uh, to be able to to feel like they can get in. So, I think Ole Miss needs to win out in the regular season, which will be easier said than done. Then, I think they need to win probably at least two games in the SEC tournament. Um, The only other wild card I keep throwing out there, uh, people seem to uh, have fun with it. And and I'm I'm half joking on this, but the way Kentucky's playing right now, um, they they are playing pretty well. And uh, still, I want to remind people that uh, the only way Kentucky is getting into the NCAA tournament. Is if they win the SEC tournament because the math just doesn't add up to get them there. Because even in a scenario, if they were to win out, get to the SEC tournament final, they would still only be 14 14 now, knowing that we're only playing one makeup game. Uh, and by the way, there's never been a team that's gotten in to the NCAA tournament as an at-large with a 500 record. So uh, that's where the caps stand.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Uh... It's a bit humbling for that fan base, uh, <laughs> I would say, that we're in the situation they are. But you make a great point because I, I was thinking in the back of my mind, okay, what if they go on to run the SEC tournament but lose a close game in the SEC championship game? Uh, yeah. Again, like you just said, that's the record still doesn't get them there. So, you know, even if they do finish the, the season on a seven, whatever, eight game win streak into the tournament, it's still likely it would come down to they have to win that game. But that said, this Kentucky team, I mean, the talent they have, man, you look at obviously what hampered them not having, you know, with the COVID issues and not having a yeah. full offseason to gel and work together. They seem to be doing that now. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could put it all together and, and win the SEC tournament.
0: No, and that's why, like I said, that's why I keep bringing it up is because I, I think people think I'm half-joking, but like I, I count them not in, in some sense because like they are good enough. And the, the, the point I keep making is, if I'm Alabama, I I want Kentucky to have the best possible finish that I can because I don't want them to lose a couple games and wind up in that eight nine game in the SEC tournament. And then if I'm Alabama having to play them in the quarterfinal, that's just that's not a game I want. Um, so and that's the thing with Kentucky is, you know, this group certainly is underachieved, but I don't know that we should have expected them to be a top team like we had like a lot of us had projected them to be. Uh, and, look, I'm willing to admit I was one of those. But I, I was you know, I was also on the wrong bandwagon on the other in saying that I thought Tennessee would be the best team in the league. Uh, but with Kentucky, this just not having the normal offseason really hurt them. Um, but, you know, maybe this is just kind of that point where you, you see with John Calipari's teams where they make their run in late January. Well, because the season was so different, maybe now they're sort of making their run in late February. I just think it's almost too late uh, because, again, you know, the basic math is They need to finish over 500 overall as a as a record uh, to be able to to quantify potentially getting in as an at-large team. So uh, that that's where Kentucky stands. But uh, again, the way they're playing, uh, it is not out of the question that they could they could run the table. More with Blake Lovell after this.
1: Go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all the sides of the story with Rejecting the Screen, the podcast each week. Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, they get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Talking uh, all things SEC basketball with our buddy Blake Lovell. His website is... Uh, southeastern14.com, tons of SEC stuff. Before we get back into some more basketball conversation, let our listeners know uh, what you guys got up on the website, and uh, it seems really cool, man. You guys are covering everything.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Like you said, we um, something we've been working on for for years now, really. It seems like me and my, my colleague Chris Lee uh covered the SEC and covered Vanderbilt for a long time. Uh, we, we've been trying to put this together and finally – I've got the resources to do it, so yeah, we are just um, doing a daily podcast, um, not unlike you, and you know, just trying to, to put out a lot of stuff on the big three sports in uh, the SEC, and so doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of written stuff, uh, just working on a lot of different ideas, which uh, you know, fun to do this time of year, especially. And, you know, I know we don't have football going on, but man, the start of baseball season, and uh, you've got all this stuff heading into March the tournament. Uh, I just a lot of good stuff happening.
1: When we look at the basketball world, obviously the season winding down, only a couple of games left for, for SEC teams. Is Cam Thomas the consensus SEC player of the year in your mind?
0: <laughs> I was, it's so funny you asked that. I was literally having this conversation with someone about one minute before we started recording this, uh, trying to make my decision on who was I going to pick for my SEC player of the year. Uh, And I think Cam Thomas is the the person I would go with. I haven't really changed that answer a whole lot um, in the last little while. I think at one point, you know, and it's probably based on how you look at the award too. Some people value the award, you know, differently. There are some things you're going to value offensively, defensively, that are different than others. You know, is it an MVP? Is it most important? Um, There's so many different aspects. But I think if you just say, who do I think the best player in the SEC is? I think it's Cam Thomas. And, you know, has he had the most impact on his team? I don't know because LSU is so frustrating and hard to figure out uh, because they just don't play defense sometimes. Uh, But I think he's the best player in the league. And beyond that, I really think the only other guy I would throw in that category – or you know what, there may be two guys I would throw in that category now. I think it's Herbert Jones in Alabama, and I think it's Moses Moody at Arkansas. Um, Because I think for Herbert Jones, he's one to where – Certainly his offensive numbers are not just going to completely jump off the page at you. He's had a couple struggles here as the last probably two couple weeks, but I think if we factor in the fact knowing that he's been injured too, um, that plays into it, but he's probably the most important player, I think, to his team in the league uh, just based on all the different things he does for Alabama and has been a huge part of why they are sitting at the top of the conference. Then for Moses Moody, it's sort of the same, I think, for Arkansas. He's, he's contributed so much to an Arkansas team. That has a lot of balance, but he's clearly the guy, I think, that makes everything go for them. Uh, So those are the three that I think are kind of at that top tier. Then I think you kind of look down to that next group, uh, whether that's, you know, Trey Mann at Florida, Scotty Pippen at Vanderbilt, uh, maybe a guy like Drew Smith at Missouri. um, And really, you could probably throw in the three other guys on LSU too, which is crazy to think about. (laughs) Um, Individually, they have probably four of the best players in the league. Uh, but they just haven't been able to put it, get, put it together enough to, to have a consistent season.
1: What about a, a guy I'd throw in the mix there is uh, Devontae Shuler at, at Ole Miss. Yep. It feels like he's come up big in a lot of moments. He's had a couple of no-show games this year, but it feels like every time they've won a big game, it's been because of him.
0: Yeah, I've got Devontae Shuler. I, I, I made my short list, and I've got him uh, in my top seven, eight right now, I think, just kind of in that range trying to decide between him and guys like Joe Smith and, and you know, maybe a guy like Devontae Smart, too. Uh, potentially, and, and yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, Devontae Shuler, we talk about, again, importance. Um, that Ole Miss team, you'd uh, be very good without him, and you could definitely make the argument that he's one of the most important players in the league to his team. Um, and, you know, it was it was a tough task for him to think about, you know, what he had to step into and replace, you know, someone like he had to replace from last year's team, and yet Devontae Shuler has stepped up and done a really good job. I think for Ole Miss, it's just – it's been frustrating at times with them because – They're so good on defense, you know, kind of like Tennessee, same situation, but their offense just lagged behind a bit. Um, But, yeah, there's no doubt. Devontae Schubert's one of the best players in the league.
1: We may have seen the last of Sharif Cooper in an Auburn uniform, and it's a little disappointing because of how good he was. I believe 12 games is what we got to see him play. But, man, it's almost like what could have been with, obviously, Auburn and not being able to – to play in a postseason this year, but seeing him and just the immediacy as soon as he hit the court for Auburn, I'm like, okay, wow, this guy's the real deal. I, I think Auburn fans are going to look back years from now and go, man, what could have been with that guy?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, too. is like, I mean, you know, if he played enough games, he's obviously easily in that conversation the top three for probably LCC Player of the Year because we're talking about just pure talent. I mean, he's, gosh, he's, he's got so many skills and. Yeah, and that's, you know, something I think about, too, and I think people forget, is certainly Auburn's struggling. I mean, they defensively, they're just not very good. Um, but I think even, like, guys like Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams, and, um, you know, he's made those guys better, too. But they've also, I mean, they've come along individually as players, but, like, he's been a big part, I think, of just helping those guys along and really improving the game. So. Um, they they've gotten a lot from him. I think they, they've helped him to eat probably long as, as guys who run the program last year and you know got playing time and, and helping him adjust but uh, it is you think back if he played the entire season, you know maybe Auburn still has the postseason ban and all that but uh, they, they probably would have won a lot more games at this point. It's crazy,
1: Blake. You know, we talked already about already about know, how many teams we think from the SEC are going to make the tournament. I mean, I feel like we're going to look back, because I had a friend telling me last week, oh, it's the SEC just suck. And I said, no, I think it's just that good, that competitive, that you know, any team can beat another team on any given night. I would not be surprised. To tell me what you'd think if we look back come Sweet 16 and the SEC's got three, maybe even four teams. Four might be pushing it, but maybe three SEC teams in the Sweet 16 when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the, the thing I always think about is, you know, we can say how inconsistent some of these teams are, but still, like, if you're looking at the, the ceiling and the potential for some of these teams, like, you feel like probably close to half the league has the potential to, to make it, like, to that next tier, like in the, the second weekend of the tournament. Like, there are teams that are built to do that. Now, like we said, maybe this the only get six teams in, but um, you just feel like all those teams, of those six that, that we said, minus old Miss, um, they're all built to win a couple games, at least, in the, in the NCAA tournament. But it's just – I think it's been much easier to pick apart some of their weaknesses, too, this year. Um, and, look, the, the, the season has played into that. And I think when you have teams that have had to go on pause or teams that have had to, um, you know, miss a game or have a week off because someone else has had to miss a game. Like, I think those factors have played into maybe some of the inconsistency, but I also think it's a link that, as it's sort of been over the past, several years like it, it's a league that relies on a lot of young talent too and, and then getting that young talent adjusted to a new system in an offseason like we had um, I think that's part of it so it's just taking some of these teams longer to find that consistency to come along uh, but like you said I mean you could certainly look up and say oh well if we see Alabama Arkansas and Tennessee and LSU and teams like that in the in the second round or the Sweet 16 like you're not going to be surprised because you know kind of what the talent looks like from top of the bottom.
1: I've been saying it, Blake. I think this is probably the best. Like right now, we look around at the coaches in the SEC. This might be the best grouping of SEC, of talent at the SEC coaches across the league right now than I think we've ever had. I mean, there's big names just about at every spot. But if I had to ask you, you know, the negative side. If somebody's going to lose their job this year and granted it's, we said it wasn't going to happen in football, it happened a couple of times. Uh, who do you think is most likely to be let
0: go at the end of the season if any of these SEC basketball coaches are? Yeah, this is actually the first season I can remember that I don't know that I could point out one guy that I feel like has just really put themselves in a, in a bad spot um, for this year. Now again, that's short term. Uh, not to say that next year couldn't be will be different because I think it will be for some of these guys, but I don't know because the thing is if you just go by record and such. You know, I don't think South Carolina's firing Fred Martin even you know, even though they, they haven't had the best I guess wide range of uh, outcomes since they made that final four several years ago, but they did make a final four and so I think in a year like this where they took a month off, I mean it's you know, I think you probably look at it and say, Well, there's only so much you can do uh, and then really the only other one I guess is like Texas A and M they haven't played enough games and Buzz has only been there a year, so it's right. like Uh, He's not in that group. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's not firing him. I just don't see that scenario playing out. I actually think they're getting better. They they just have kind of been put in a situation where even when he took that job last year, I thought they were three years away from being able to even get back into the top half. So I think that's more of a long-term situation. Maybe it's more on, okay, well, maybe Jerry Stackhouse is the one to leave. But I don't think Vanderbilt's pushing him out the door. Uh, and I guess you know if you look around, like people are talking about Miss Ben Hall and Mississippi State, like hasn't gotten it done and all this other stuff. But like they're still thirteen and eleven and seven and eight in the league, like they're right there, almost in the middle. So I just don't see that scenario either. They got some good young talent there. So it is. It's kind of the first year that I can remember where you look up and say, I don't really feel like anyone is just on the hot hot seat. But um, that's the expectation now in the league is. You know, like you said, look at the coaching roster. Like, if you just go up and down, look at the guys that are near the bottom that have all been to Final Fours. Like, South Carolina <laughs> has been to a Final Four. Um, you know, Buzz Williams got Marquette to look the Elite Eight uh, many times, several times, I think, maybe a couple. Uh, Bruce Pearl, Final Four. Uh, Tom Crean, Final Four. Ben Howland, Final Four. And those are the teams that are in the bottom half of the league right, right. now. So um, <laughs> it's just it's crazy. So uh, yeah, I think if you look at it that way. The coaches that are actually in the top four spots, which would be Nate Oates at Alabama, Eric Musselman at Arkansas, Will Wade at LSU, uh, and then um, Mike White at Florida. Those guys haven't been to the Final Four, and so it's man, it's just it's unbelievable in terms of the coaching talent. Yeah, it's it's not easy to stay on top in this league.
1: Blake Lovell, of course, uh, the website southeastern 14com You can follow him on Twitter at. The Blake level, Blake, great stuff, man. We're uh, we're gonna have to do this again real soon because uh, once we get into the SEC tournament, I got a feeling anything can happen. So we really <laughs> appreciate you uh, taking some time, man, and uh, we'll do this again real
0: soon. Yeah, sounds great, Chris. Thanks for having me on, and, and I wasn't just uh, saying what I said earlier. I really think, like <laughs> I you're doing a great job. I listen to the podcast, and I uh, really appreciate all you do as well. So well, thanks for having me on.
1: Well, awesome, man. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. That's Blake Level, the Blake Level on Twitter. And uh, of course, their uh, website, southeastern14.com. Really cool uh, stuff. And I defer to Blake. He knows uh, everything there is on every angle of, uh, of SEC basketball. And uh, he does a really, really great job. And we appreciate him taking some time out to uh, join us. Yeah, we got some big action going on this weekend. 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on ESPN on Saturday. You got number 25, Tennessee, is at Auburn. Never an easy place to play at Auburn Arena. At uh, 12 Central, 1 Eastern on SEC Network, it'll be South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia's trying to get as many wins as they can. 7 to 9, the SEC trying to get back to 500 and finish strong. At uh, 1 o'clock Central, 2 Eastern on ESPN2, it'll be LSU at Arkansas. That's going to be a dogfight of a game from Bud Walton Arena. Arkansas fresh off their big win over Alabama. At 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, SEC Network, it's going to be Ole Miss at Vandy. That's one Ole Miss has got to have with a win they can improve the 9 at 7. 3 o'clock Central, 4 Eastern on CBS from Rupp Arena. It's Florida at Kentucky. Of course, Kentucky Red Hot wears a three straight, but Florida, 8-5, and five, scrappy. They are really trying to uh, get themselves into the tournament and make a case. And then at 5 o'clock Central, 6 Eastern, SEC Network, it's number 6 Alabama at Humphrey Coliseum. Another Never easy place to go into, taking on Mississippi State, who is 7-8 in the SEC, another team trying to get back to five hundred And Texas A&M Missouri already postponed for uh, Saturday. a and I just, man, are they ever going to get back on the court? It's crazy. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy all the SEC basketball, SEC baseball action, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday right here on Locked on SEC.